Hey everybody, welcome to the Asian Boss Podcast. The following is a conversation with Mike Chang, one of the OG fitness gurus on YouTube and an internet marketing genius. There were times when his six-pack shortcuts program literally took over the internet in that you would see his workout ads everywhere on YouTube. Then one day, he just disappeared all of a sudden, just like that, leaving many people wondering, what the hell happened to Mike Chang? Well, our co-founder of Asian Boss and guest host Kay was able to track him down in Bali, Indonesia, where they sat down for a long overdue chat. This is the story of Mike Chang, and you're listening to the Asian Boss Podcast. So Mike, you were arguably the most famous person on the internet or, <laughs> or YouTube, you know, before uh, Andrew Tate, there was Mike Chang from Six Pack Shortcuts. You were just all over the internet at one point. It's just a pleasure to have a chat with you just because uh, I've known about you since even before we started Asian Boss. And yeah, uh, seeing you in person like this, it's, it's really nice. Thank you. It's, uh, I hear people tell me that they've watched me growing up. They're like, you know, when I was a kid, and when they say that, I'm thinking, how, how old am I, man? I feel like I'm like a grandpa or something, you know? Like, I didn't expect to ever hear that. Uh-huh. Watching you growing up, I'm like, how old are you? <laughs> For those who might not be familiar with, uh, you know, your previous uh, business, uh, Six Pack Shortcuts, could you explain to me, like, you know, what it was? What it was? We were making workout videos to help people get a six pack people get in shape that's kind of how it started because we knew that that was the thing that most men desire the most it's they want to have a flat stomach they want to have chiseled abs they want to have the the great body and over the years it started to evolve it became more of overall fitness and then it was more nutrition and then it was just helping people create the life that they wanted And the message was, if you build your body, the level of mental discipline, the level of um, consistency and the hard work that you can put in into creating the body you want, you can now also use that same mentality, that same approach, the same structures that you created for consistency and exercise and diet, nutrition and health, and put that towards your business, put that towards um, creating what you want. And that was, uh, that was how it started to evolve. And how many subscribers did you have at that time for even YouTube? We went from zero to about 3.2, 3. 3.5 million when, when I left. Mm. I left around, I think it was around 2015 or so, but my videos kept playing for a while. I see. Yeah. And yeah. then you just sold the company afterwards? It seemed like you just disappeared from you know, the internet. That's, a, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly, I, I disappeared. I left because I wanted to, to learn more. I wanted to be able to, to change things within myself so I can create the type of life that I wanted. Because I did, up to a certain degree. I had everything I wanted. Money wasn't an issue, I can buy anything I want. Up to a certain degree. I'm not buying cars and boats and planes. But I can go out to eat every day or every meal. It's okay. I can buy any, any random clothes, furniture, all this stuff. You know, pretty much anything under a couple grand wasn't a big deal. I had everything that I ever dreamed about, a business that allowed me to do what it is, what it is I was passionate about. So when people talk about, I wish I can do something that I'm passionate about, 
I was doing it. And by the way, I'd show up at work in like a wife beater and like a tank top and sweats, you know, and half the guys in there are shirtless and with headsets and they're, it's like a sales team going on. There's like, it's like fitness of like, it's like Gold's Gym meets, you know, meets uh, Wolf of Wall Street meets something. I mean, it's just, it's just this wild environment. So you were selling informational products mainly, was it? Workouts, coaching service, supplements and a lot of different types of, uh, different types of workouts. We had a whole supplement line of like uh, protein, um, pre-workout, fat burner, testosterone booster, sleep, all that stuff. And then you just stopped and then now you're just in Bali, just living here permanently? So what happened was, even though I had everything that I wanted on the outside, I wasn't happy on the inside. And I achieved the typical American dream. You know, I had the house, I had the girlfriend, or... Um, the six-pack six body. This, the six-pack body. Everything was fine. Um, but I wasn't fulfilled on the inside. There was a, I was so emotional on the inside. And I didn't think anything was wrong. See, that's the biggest thing. It's one thing when someone goes, man, something is wrong with me. But it's another thing when someone goes, nothing is wrong. That's how I was until I realized that actually something is wrong and it's not um, a happy person, a person that's balanced on the inside, actually don't do those things. They don't get this tension and want to go and slam on something and go, never mind, everything's okay. Yeah, I'm fine, let's move on. There's no problems here. You know, something was wrong, but I didn't realize that at the time because I was so, so focused on creating this typical this typical dream of having it all and just and feeling, you know, feeling like I reached a level of success that I was satisfied with. And even though there's this external satisfaction, internally, I was satisfied, but there was something major wrong with me. And I didn't realize it until I had the experience one day that woke me up. And then I realized, oh my God, this is, this is bad. Like, what the heck have I been doing? And that's when I walked away because I realized none of this stuff matters. It really, it really doesn't matter. Because I had an experience to be able to know how it's like to be really free. To be really free, to be really happy and at peace. And I realized that experience was more valuable than anything that I can ever create, have, do. And so I wanted to learn more about how did I create that experience? And how can I help others do the same? Because everybody wants that experience, whether or not they know it or not. Everybody mostly that I knew were chasing after what I was interested in, which is generally, we can call it success and everything that falls under it. But when I experienced true freedom, it had nothing to do with my idea of success. And because nobody around me knew that, because they were all having the definition of success in their mind, the same way that I was, I started to go in and I started to learn what really happened? How did I get to this level of freedom? What did I do? Because I had an experience that changed everything. And then I spent the last seven years to understand this whole aspect of what it means to be human that most humans do not understand. And it's the something, something simple. It's not anything complicated. It boils down to only one simple thing, just one. And when I say it, it's not going to be anything spectacular. <laughs> so... <laughs> All it is is this, if we want to do something, we should be able to do it. That's it, 
that simple. If a person wants to do something, they should be able to do it. That's freedom. The problem is that people want things, all kinds of things, but they are not able to take the action to do it. And to me now, when I look at it, when we really take a look at this simple, this simple situation, it's the most silliest thing. So you're telling me that you want something and you can't get your body to do the thing. And that's exactly what is happening with people all over the world, all the time. And this is exactly the reason why people are not getting what they want. Because you talk to people, if everybody was getting what they want, everybody would be really happy. Everybody would be different. They would have a different life, but they're not. And I know how to fix that that issue now. And this is what I help people with because it's just the most basic thing. It's what real freedom is about. Not the fact that there's restrictions with government here and these laws and these situations in life and this person, this person is not allowing me. No, no, no. If we really dive into what's happening on a daily basis, it's just that a person wants to do something, but they can't do it. I need to send this email out to this person and it'll take me two minutes to do it but somehow I can't seem to get myself to do it because of infinite reasons. I'm not feeling it right now. I don't know what to say. You know, I have doubt of whether or not it's going to be good, so I can't do it. Infinite reasons. But if somebody was able to do that simple outcome, their life would be very different. They stop procrastinating, hesitating, having self-doubt, um, finding every reason under the sun that doesn't allow them to get what they want. And it doesn't matter what they want. All, all it really matters is that there's an action that can take place. That's all. I'm just kind of wondering, um, do you think you chose Bali out of all the places in the world because it kind of connects to you know, more freedom or I don't know. Was there a particular reason why you chose this place out of all the places you could have chosen? I stayed in Bali because of it, but I didn't choose Bali in the beginning because of it because there was a time to where I had all my bags packed, I sold everything, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to move. And I was going to move to the Philippines, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. What changed your mind? Um, the plans fell through last minute. I had this plan to move there with a whole bunch of people, about seven different families, and there was going to be all of us moving there. We had all the land prepared. We had all full-blown full operation prepared. Just why seven different families? Oh, because we want to roll deep, you know? You don't want to just go there by yourself. What are you going to do? So you just, so it's like... These are all your friends or... Yeah, friends yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so there's like three people here. There's like four people there because it's like parents and two kids. Uh -huh. And then it's just a couple here and one single person here. Oh. I bought a fish farm already. I was going to get into farming. <laughs> what? I was talking to like the, the uh, internet company, electric uh -huh. company to run a line from the main city over to this small town that didn't have strong internet. It was this full blown thing that was in operation. And it just, it, it fell apart last minute after I invested uh, a lot of money and time. And, uh, and so my bags are packed and I have nowhere to go. And I get a text from my friend and he's like, hey, you wanna go to Bali, you know, for three weeks? And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go for three weeks. If I'm gonna go at least, there'll be three months, right, you know, cause right. I'm not coming back for a little while or ever. I don't know. I'm, I'm moving. It's not a vacation. So he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go for three months. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, let me get back to you. I checked the internet for uh -huh. Bali. That was the first time I ever thought about Bali, by the way. And you never came to Bali before yeah. that, right? Yeah. And I just looked up, like, you know, Bali, and there were some good reviews about it. So that was a check. And then I asked, how's the internet in Bali? 
and those good reviews, again, I go, okay, well, so far, both of these are better than the okay. scenario that I was dealing with. Internet was tough, uh -huh. and, uh, you know, there was a lot of things to build to get people to want to come, because there wasn't much. I mean, I'm going into this remote village where like, you know, they have a, a light bulb with a string and, a, uh, and like a plastic bottle and that's like the light mm. on like a, a random stick. That's like the light pole. Right. You know, I was going into remote and then I'm going to expand the whole place out, you know. Even the place that you're living in right now, it's very close to nature itself. There's just a lot of nature, you yeah. know, even within Bali, it's kind of out of the cities itself. Like, yeah. do, is, is, was there a reason for that? I want to just... Uh, I like to be close to nature. Um, we were really close to the beach before this place. Mm. We wanted to find a place that we didn't have to move every year, and uh, we just did a lot of work to find this place, you know. But being in Bali, there's a different type of lifestyle. Right. And shopping, villa shopping, is like something you do, you get really, really good at. Yeah. And then now you're, you're married, have a, have, a, have a child. Yes. Yeah, wow. For the people who are not familiar about you, um, could you tell us a little bit about your story from you know, your teenage years to you know, even starting six-pack shortcuts? The interesting thing about story is there's actually, there's actually multiple versions. There's two versions. I'll tell you the one that I grew up with until I realized that there was another version. You know, and that's something I actually help people do now because we're defined, we live our life by our stories, right? Yeah, it's, it's what we think the meaning is of the, you know, we create a meaning of our own stories in a, in a yes. sense and it's all perspective. So this, uh, the first version, the one that I lived my life with most of the time, uh, most of my life until the age of about 32. You know, I'm about 40, almost 40. And it was that I grew up in Houston and I had a lot of struggles. I was picked on a lot because back in the 90s, you know, being a, being a Chinese person, there are still a lot, of, uh, a lot of racists in the U.S. You know, the typical type of names like Chink was one. I remember, you know, they do the little eye thing, you know, like, oh, yeah, da-da-da, you know, and it's just silly kids, but it's still, it was still happening. You know, things like that. And plus, I also grew up around uh, areas where there's a lot of gangs. Um, I was always being offered to, to smoke bud or drink, which eventually I was like, all right, fine, I'll sit and drink with you. Um, I don't know how old I was. Not old enough to drink, let's just say. The environment was, was kind of tough, and I felt really scared, you know. I was always fearful. My dad wasn't around too much. He traveled a lot. He was in and out of hospitals, schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. So that was the thing. So I was, it didn't feel like I was going to be supported kind of like I had to defend for myself. So at a young age, I was really interested in everything that can help you kind of defend yourself. And so you're watching these movies, I'm watching all the martial art movies, uh, the action movies, yeah. you know, and then you're seeing the Jet Lees and the Bruce Lee and the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, you know, and Jackie Chan and, and all these movies. And it's like, I want to be like these guys. I want to be brave like them. I want to be able to fight like them. I want to be strong and look like them, you know. So I started training really young. And I actually wanted to go to become a Shaolin monk. You know, when I was around uh, eight, I remember asking my mom, like, hey, mom, you know, I think I want to be a Shaolin monk. You know, like, I want to train. And she's like, no, you can't do that. It's crazy. I was like, well, why not? It'll be, it'll be great, you know. I had to convince her. And she didn't agree. Uh, so I try to do things that I see monks do. You know, and you know, you got like a big pot of, uh, of like rocks, you know, like sand or rice, and then you put your finger in, you mm. jam the finger, yes. or you punch very hard things, or you kick very hard things, or you stand there in horse stance and all this stuff like that. And I started doing that really, really young, you know. 
Um, I still got like a bump on my leg. Yeah, you I see can, my feet. Right? I can, my leg right I here. I can totally see. I don't know if you guys see, see, that. The, see the cam here. Can it's you like, see that? Yeah. So this this is a result because you know being a kid kicking hard stuff all oh the time. Oh my god. And then it goes all the way up to. Uh, this is less now. Uh huh. You know, but uh, if you feel it's kind of like jelly, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you can kind of grab it. You know, it's like it's just it's just ligament tissue that's just constantly it didn't go back to place because I just kicked it so much. Wow. So yeah, I mean it's been there for before I was fourteen. You know, probably earlier. So I did a lot of these things, you know. Um, I made I made weapons all the time. I got really interested what, in knives. I carried knives around everywhere. Okay. Bow and arrow, you know, uh -huh. just random, like okay. hooking up rubber bands together, okay. <laughs> just like, you know, ninja stars. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, the dartboard, like the I make a uh, uh, you know a target board on the wall on drywall, you know, and then I'll throw knives at it, throw my a bow and arrow at it, you know. Uh, I put I make ninja stars that a paper and then I stick nails at the end of it and I throw it at it uh -huh, uh -huh. and so then I hold up I put a lot of holes on the walls and then I patch up the holes with spackle and then I do it again so things like things like that I worked out and all of it was to make me feel more confident make me feel like I can defend myself you know I practiced jumping off of high spaces and crawling and climbing up all these things that I was like Getting ready for getting ready for battle, getting ready to defend, getting ready to run or fight. Were there any moments where you actually had to use, like, I don't know, your skills to get away from something, or, or uh, was it was it quite dangerous the area that you were living? I mean, because you were just mentioning. Was, you know, so in my mind, it was really dangerous. In reality, now now my view as an adult looking at it is, yeah, you know, it could be, but it wasn't as bad. It's not as bad as I thought. Now. Being a kid, I think there was a different perspective, you know, especially when you're scared. But it was still, it was still a little rough. It was definitely still rough, you know, gangs will walk by and you don't have to even do anything. The way it works is, you know, if you're just hanging out and gang walks by and they see you and you look at them, if you look at them too long and you give them too much attention, they'll just come and they'll just find something to, to do to, to pick on you. And then if you do fight back, then they'll pick on you more until, until you stop fighting back, you know. And then after that, they may, they'll, they'll leave. So this is the type of area it was. Cops came by every, every weekend arresting people because of, you know, domestic abuse, spies, drug use, all yeah. kinds of stuff. So that was a lot, of my, a lot of my childhood. So I trained a lot and I worked out a lot because I just wanted to feel better. And in company with um, that, I always felt like I wasn't, I wasn't enough. I needed to be more because we didn't have any money, which is why we lived there. And... Um, a lot of my, my cousins and the rest of my family, they had, more, they had more money. They were a little more well-off. Now, they weren't like rich or anything, but they weren't living in kind of like a ghetto area, you know. So there's always this sense of I'm not only in a lower class because of my ethnicity, I'm in a lower class because of just not having any money and living in this place and um, being like very um, not having anything. So all of this just made me feel very small. So I did everything to feel bigger, you know, literally make my body bigger and literally do all these things to build the confidence. So that was kind of a, that was my viewpoint of my childhood for the most, for most of my life. And that's what drove me to do everything up to I was 32. And then when did you start your first, first job? Because I think I, I heard that you did sales at 
14. 14. Yeah. yeah. How was that like? Really, really scary. I, would, I was doing door-to-door -door sales and I was 14 years old and I was selling uh, newspaper subscriptions. I remember knocking on the door and just hoping that somebody wouldn't answer. I remember walking up and you have no idea who would just answer the door and these people aren't prepared for you to come. So you see all kinds of things, you know? Um, people with very, very aggressive dogs. I mean, you're just like, you know, half the time you're getting chased out of yards, running away from dogs all the time, you know? So it's, uh, it was very scary and I just, I wish that nobody would answer the door. <laughs> that was the beginning. I knock on it, and I'm like, I hope they don't come so this way I can just go to the next door. But I wasn't gonna make any money that way, of course. I worked at that job for about six years, up until I was about 20. That's a long time. Yeah, I went from being very scared to having enough confidence to talk to anybody on the street. Mm. And I can get anything. Mm. I can get a pen, I can get a drink, I can get any random little thing. I can just convince them because I, did it so, so, so often. So what are the biggest skill sets that you learned from, from the sales door to door? Reading, reading people. You know, there's a, there's a basic sales process and learning how to be able to read people, to respond to how they're, how they're acting, how they're feeling. So this way I know what to say and what not to say. I realized that my energy changed the way the interaction would be. Because I noticed that days where I was low in energy, nobody wanted to buy from me. And days where I'm really happy and I'm kind of on fire and I'm in a row and it doesn't matter what I say, they're like, okay. And I started to, to connect those dots over time. And just general, general sense of confidence because now I at least know how to talk to people for that sense, not in general, just talk to strangers without feeling afraid. And then straight away, did you start, you know, doing your fitness videos or what happened? Uh, I left there and I moved on to working at uh, working at a gym, my first gym. So I started, you know, like I said, I was I've been working out for a long time, ever since I was about 11. Um, but that was the first time I worked at a gym, and then I was selling gym memberships, and I loved it. It was it was so fun. We got every all of my friends got hired, and it was pretty much like just all my friends coming to the gym, and we're all working together. We're all. Um, selling gym memberships and then when the gym closes we close the door and then we make it into our own home You know, we, we party we turn up the music we play games, uh -huh. you know I mean, it's just all kinds of all kinds of stuff in there really fun So we so I did that and then we got into later on uh, That went into doing mortgages mm -hmm. Ameriquest doing subprime mortgages. This is before 0708 when the mortgage crashed, right? right this was right. like maybe about three four years before and that was doing phone sales, talking to people and, and refinancing, re helping people refinance their loans. And then I remember I was 22 at the time, and I thought, if I'm helping people refinance their home, then that means I should be able to buy a home because I know how this loan system works. Why don't I buy a home? And I remember telling my, my sister and my dad, and, and they were like, that's silly. You're only 22. Why would we need to buy a home? And I was like, well, you know, wasting money with rent, it's a good investment. And they're like, nah, you're too young. You just, that's not going to work. You just need to save up more money. You just need to, you know, focus on other stuff. Don't do that. That's, there's no point. And I was like, well, I don't care what you guys think. So I went and bought my first house. Well, at 22. Yep. Whoa. So, because I moved out when I was 16. Mm -hmm. I was already working, doing the door-to-door, -door, you know, and... Um, and that's a whole nother story. I was throwing parties like every day. I turned that place into a gambling hall. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> okay. You know, four days a week, uh, gamble at my place. I'm 16, going on 17, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, and people coming by gambling. I got my regulars, about seven to ten people. You know, and then you got the special nights. And usually one one night out of week, about 30 people will show up. You know, and we play blackjack, 21, war, high card, low card. You know, um, uh, cash. It was dirty. Not just physically, the apartment was dirty. Like dirty people would be cheating marking the cards all kinds of stuff maybe it was just bad you know <laughs> and we I had to start creating systems like okay new decks every night because you guys I can't trust your decks Man, I, I, I've never heard this story okay yeah, I haven't shared this one you know <laughs> so usually about two nights will be drinking party uh-huh. you know jello shots we don't put them in little things you uh-huh. just have a tub of jello here you go here you uh-huh. go here you go everybody's passed out uh-huh I mean I would I remember what? nice I'm carrying, I'm dragging people by their ankles uh, and they're on the ground. I'm literally dragging them and I'm placing them here. I drag this person, I'm placing them there. I drag this person, play them in their places. And I remember watching my friend, he was trembling. I, kinda, I was kind of upset at him because he broke my coffee table earlier. <laughs> so I walked, I walked off and then I came back. I go, no, nah. I laid a towel on him and then I walked off. I was like, there you go, you get a towel. It's, uh, yeah, so. Wow. A lot of, lot of interesting times. That was when I was 16, 17, and then... And then you bought a house at 22? At 22. And, and then did you start six-pack shortcuts? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 then I was it like, was okay, more. I buy a house, um, uh-huh. and I'm going to leverage this house. And so I bought it a little under value. I did sweat equity. So basically, I went to work every day at 9. I got off of work around 8-ish to 9. And then I went to the house and I worked from 10 to 4. And then I go to sleep and I work at 9. And I repeat that every day for about three to four months. And I wasn't getting much sleep. But I started to renovate the house. And I sucked at it. So everything's kind of 80% done. You know, I did the floors. I was breaking walls. I was redoing all kinds of stuff. And then getting ready to get a higher appraisal value. So this way I can go ahead and leverage the house for a loan, a line of credit of some sort. So then I did that, got a line of credit. So here I go, I'm, I have a check for 64, I have a check that I can write up to $64,000, you know, and I'm 22. I'm sitting there going, all right, what should I do? And my first thought is, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and pay off some things and then buy some other things. And okay, cool. So I wrote myself a check for 30,000. I walked into the bank, you know, and, you know, and I'm in a suit, you know, cause I'm doing loans and we had to wear a suit even though we don't see customers, we all on the phone. And I give them the check. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take 30 grand. And they were like, uh, okay. And then they had a talk in the back and they came. They go, um, do you want us to like um, wire it to you? Or I'm like, no, 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 cash. They're like, oh, okay. And they walked back and they came back. And then it was only like, like this much. I thought it was going to be like this big stack. It was right. so small. I was like, this is 30,000? They're like, uh-huh. I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, okay, do you need an escort? I was like, no, no, no I'm fine. And I stuck it in my jacket. I remember walking out. I still remember. I put it in my left jacket, the left side of my pocket, and I was walking out. And I felt really good about myself. Like, I got 30 grand on me. That's never happened. And just going, okay, well, what's, what's next? And this happened because when I was 22, I learned the basis of what I'm teaching now, the very, really, really foundational basis, which is law of attraction. Um, I help a lot of people who are in the law of attraction space because that's it's powerful, but it's the it's the basis. There's a lot more to learn from there if you want to be a very powerful creator and actually have control of your life. 
but I started to learn about law of attraction and, um, and because of that, you know, that happened. So then now I have this cash. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So I left that MariQuest where I was doing the subprime loans, went to another company so I can work for myself under their umbrella, their broker uh, license. And I was basically doing the same thing, subprime loans and purchase loans. And then I decided to, to go and start buying my own properties and renovating it and doing this cash flow thing, rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki. Cash, and, uh, cash flow quadrant and everything. Cash flow yeah, quadrant, yeah, right? Yeah. I wanted to get to yeah. the investor, investor side. Investor side or the business owner side, yes. Right, yes. and I remember I'm on the left, but I'm gonna work yes. my way to the right. Mm -hmm. So then I did that and, and then from there, the crash came. All my properties, uh, I wasn't cash flowing strong enough to be able to support everything. I, I was carrying a lot of debt that I was, I was gonna leverage for the next property, just kinda keep swapping this, moving this debt around. Mm -hmm. And well, couldn't do that because the market crashed. And then from there, I'm sitting here with a lot of debt because I'm owning four properties at the time. And my normal daily, my normal uh, monthly expense without food, or electricity, but just like, you know, credit cards and mortgage was about 10,000. And I'm like, okay. So I started defaulting on a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and I got out of the loans business and I went back into the gym. And it was during that time that I also learned about the concept of selling information online. Mm -hmm. So at that time it's like, what? Selling information? Right now it's like information products is like normal. Then it was not normal. And I learned about digital marketing, learned about you know, online marketing. And that was very new then. And I said, I wanna do that. Wow, a business that's open 24 hours a day, you know, that it's just like money's just kind of floating in and yes, that's exactly what I wanna do. But I didn't know anything about it. I'm terrible with computers. I, I don't do social media. MySpace was pretty much the last time I used social media, not until you know, a few years ago. I never jumped on Facebook, to be honest. Right. <laughs> I skipped that whole. Whole thing. Yeah. Once yeah. MySpace became Facebook, I just stopped. Um, so I'm like, okay, I need, I need to learn this thing. So then I started to study it and I studied it for about almost three years. And finally, at that time, like the gym, I was still working at another, at a gym. I worked at another gym now. I'm doing really well. I'm, uh, I just won, I just won this contest to where I was like the second, um, top salesperson in the nation with 460 gyms. And I was the second one. I came in second place or it's a big bonus and all this stuff. And I'm sitting down with the VPs of sales and all the big dogs of the company. This was LA Fitness, you know, LA Fitness. And um, so I'm doing really well in that company. And they had no idea that, because I just won this contest. I'm having steak dinner with the bosses and stuff, you know. They had no idea that I was planning to go and quit three weeks later. You know, which is crazy for somebody. Most people leave when they are low. I left at the very high. I was crushing it. And I was going to leave because I decided I had a plan to go ahead and go into um, online marketing. And I wanted to do it. And I was willing to give it all up. So I had a plan on literally defaulting every one of my bills. Everything. And I knew that I would last about four months before they kick me out. They take back everything. So I said, okay, so I got four months. So I'm gonna, and I don't have enough money to pay for everything and still do this move. So I'm gonna not pay for anything besides the bare minimum food, gas, water. And I'm gonna save up money and I'm going to start this business and work my butt off. 
And that's what I did. So I took the bonus check from there. I took that last paycheck and any tiny little savings I had, and I stopped paying for everything. And so every though, I'm getting calls from credit cards. I mean, every day, 1-800 numbers are hitting my phone. It didn't stop for the next seven years, by the way. Wow. And I didn't care. I just, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build this thing. It's either I'm going to do it or I'm going to crash and burn, and then I'll start it back up again. And so I just put everything in one basket, and I went for it. And um, I moved to Austin, and uh, and we just kept on going. I mean, I didn't take us. I didn't take a salary for a while. I didn't have any money. All the money was getting exhausted because moving expenses, normal expense of paying for an apartment. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any money. Like I didn't, it wasn't like I was. I had maybe how much? Like fifteen thousand, maybe sixteen thousand when I stopped, and between the four months, the move, and then a few months later, like all the money was gone and I didn't even try to spend a lot. So I was working, I was training people on the side while I'm starting this business. Uh, my account is getting overdrafted like crazy. I had over a thousand dollars in overdrafts in that, in that year. It was just for the random things. It wasn't like I was buying anything big. I go to a store to buy an energy drink for three bucks. I look at the bank statement later and it's, and it's like, $37 overdraft charge for $3. And then I bought something else later. So it's like there's $70 overdraft charge just today for like a $7, $5 purchase. Right, right. This is happening all the time. But, you know, in order to make the, the six pack, like, you know, your, your empire, like obviously it, it took probably way longer than the four months. Like even, yes. you wouldn't even break even at, at <laughs> four months, right? So like at the four month time, like what happened? So finally, I remember we started to, started to get some money out of the business, like 300 bucks a month, and then maybe 350 bucks the next month. And then next month we're up to like 500 bucks for that next month, right? Wow. That's and that's what's coming back and that's helping with survival. You probably made the online program itself and then you, uh, you had a website and then you right. started making videos so right. that you can send traffic to the website. Is that correct? Yes, basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I didn't have money to pay for rent. Me and my girlfriend at the time, we broke up and it was a blessing because then I moved in with a friend and he didn't charge me any rent. So I just kind of became the housemaid. I just clean up everything. I'm going, you know what, if I'm going to live here, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to make it to where I'm going to hold my weight and make it to where people want me to be here because I'm not paying. So yeah. I can easily get the boot and I can't even blame anybody. You know, I don't have a right to be here. So I just did the best I could as a housemate. So I just did what I could to continue to operate in this business, to do everything that I needed to do. And because we're not making much money and we're just putting in time and energy, um, we kept doing that. And then, like I said, that 300 a month became 350. 500 and then 600 and 700 and then suddenly we got a thousand dollar payout which is still not enough to live mm-hmm. but i'm hustling training on the side here training just whoever i can get my hands on who wants to train i train them and until finally we were having a salary of two thousand dollars a month which is still not enough to live nicely but it was at least i can live with ba- pay- paying the basic stuff and when you say we, it was me and my, uh, my partner. I had one partner at the time. It was just both of us. I couldn't have did it without him. I didn't know enough about online marketing, even after studying it for three years. Mm-hmm. I just needed to jump in and do it, but I wouldn't know where to start. 
he had experience in it already, and so he wanted me to be the to be the guy that's doing the products, being the face, and also because of my sales experience. And so he's like, okay, so you know that's gonna come come in handy. So you know because he knew I had business and sales, but I didn't know anything about online marketing. Yep. So we partnered up and we did the best that we could out of our two skill sets, which there was still a lot of pieces missing. Tech was terrible. Things wouldn't work half the time. Design looked like crap. I remember I asked them going like, Dan, how come the lines aren't meeting on the website? <laughs> <laughs> it's doing this. He's like, I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know how to do it. This is the best I can make it. And I go, Okay, because if he was going to ask me, I wouldn't even know how to put a line on a website. So, you know, this is before they had, you know, blocks and, uh, yeah. you know, making it easy. We did the best we could and bootstrapped every step of the way. And I remember uh, somebody that used to work for me at the gym. I ran into him one day at the, on the street in Austin, and I asked him if he wants, uh, if he, if he wants to do some work for me. And he goes, yeah, what, do you, what should I do? And I said, well... We are starting to get some uh, people calling in asking about asking for assistance with processing their credit cards online. So I thought that, well, if somebody's calling in to ask about this problem, how many people are not calling in when they're running into an issue? So why don't I have a number for people to call when they have problems? Mm -hmm. And if they abandon the shopping cart and they put in their info, maybe we can call them, you know? So I told him, can you do that? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he has a cell phone and he would go and, and he would take calls anywhere, anytime. And I started finding out that he'd be out there drinking at the bar. <laughs> he'd take the call. Yeah, what's up, man? It's Travis. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, this is terrible. You know? <laughs> and so this is, how, this is how it was. I mean, like I'm talking just bootstrapping. Like it was literally the way I looked at it was what needs to happen and what can I do to solve it? Now, not how good it looks, there, it didn't matter, it didn't care, we just need to solve it. And in that situation, people need to ask questions, they need to talk to somebody. Who can I grab to go that they can talk to? This person, okay, done. How much revenue were you guys making? So, fast forward, um, there's all these things that happened to eventually grow this, because we were in this, there's, a, there's one point to where we're in a residential apartment. Yeah, maybe she has, she has a story, what happens? I remember this uh, this this guy walking in, and he just you just see his eyes like looking around, like, ah, oh, this is so surreal, man. Like, holy crap, like, and he's just like kind of so surprised because you walk you walk into imagine, right? You're walking into a residential apartment. You know, you got the three floors and all this stuff, and you're going into an interview, but you don't know. You're just following the person. You walk through this hallway, and then you get into this apartment, and then you open the door and you walk in, and there's like. 20 computers with 20 guys on headphones and it's loud and everybody's talking and moving around walking around and you just walk into and you're going what is going on that's that was our office a residential apartment that we were operating under the table because you cannot operate a business in a residential space uh -huh, uh -huh. not legally mm -hmm. So there were days to where we had, where we would get, um, you know, like they would do, they'll check the fire alarms, they'll check certain things in the apartments, and we literally had to break down the whole place. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's like, hey, so I tell everybody, hey guys, we're gonna have some people come by like tomorrow. We just got the notification. Um, we need to break down everything like now, you know. So we've got lines running everywhere. We got all these tables, 
everything gets broken down. Drop all the furniture there. You walk in, it looks like a residential apartment. And then once the check is done, okay, rebuild it back up. Boom, 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 boom. Everything's back and we're running like normal. We did this a few times in that place. You know, fast forward now, we're about four and a half years, five years in. We've got about 60 something people. Um, we're in a 6,500 square feet uh, office. We are renovating a 30,000 square feet office across the street. That was an old church and that's being converted into an office. And I'm building out more spaces to, to, to close out, close in the outside to make it very large on the outside as well. Inside was only was 30,000 square feet. Outside was large, was big. And, uh, and we're building it out so we can transition to there. We were doing about uh, 13, 13.2, 13.5 million at the time uh, per year. Per year. Um, we had so the first- sa uh, sales, is it? Gross sales. Gross sales, Gross okay. sales, gross revenue. Yep. And our next tier was to get to 50. I had the plan. Oh, I had a plan to get to 200. So there was, you walk in, it was basically just like how it was before, except it's evolved now. We still walk in and you're walking into the sales room. That's the first thing that you see. And there are mostly men, but some women as well. Everybody's kind of in gym wear. Everybody's got headsets. It's loud. They're talking. It's, uh, there's footballs flying around the room. People are wrestling, talking smack. Um, there's a huge 80-inch TV on the, on the wall, blasting out, updating at real time all the sales numbers. Mm -hmm. There's pull-up bars right here. And uh, people are chasing monster energy drinks because we go through two cases a day. Wow. So uh -huh. about 60 cans. Yeah. And so then as you walk in, then there's like just all these offices on the, on the, on the one side and there's the marketing team with the copywriters, the graphics and all this stuff. And then you walk around, there's this large break room and there's this huge, 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 um, uh, banner that's on the wall that was blown up, um, from this quote board that I bought at a place called Marshall's, which is where they buy, you know, like discounted stuff. I bought that years ago. I used to put that in front of my restroom and I sit there every time I'm sitting on the restroom there and I'm reading the quotes and, and I love those quotes and I was all about principles, mindset and, and ways of being. So I blew it up, stuck it on the break room because everybody goes in a break room. So you'll always be seeing those things. And I would have so many conversations right in front of this massive, massive um, banner on the wall about what do you think about this, 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 and and basically help train the mentality of my team members on work, how to see life, how to be this and that. And that, because we're really, really big on that. I believe that if we want to help customers, we need to help our own team. So this way they can do better job. They can perform at their highest. So were you focusing like on, you know, company culture? Um, big time. How do you do that? How, what kind of, other than the quotes itself, were there ways which you, you know, something different that you, you might have done. I made sure that everybody is an example of what it is that we are doing for customers. So if we're telling customers they need to exercise, right? Because we're a fitness company. So then our guys need to exercise. So then every morning we'll do yoga outside for about 45 minutes. And my team did it. I, I, I was in charge of about 40 of them and uh, 20 of them was by my partner. So my team did it, they did yoga. And then after that, um, they were instructed to then do a five minute workout right in front of their desks, 10 sets, 30 seconds, you know, right in what they're wearing. So that was five to seven days a week. They did that. We provided uh, meals for everybody. We did that from, from day one. Cause I always cooked in bulk. And when it was just me and my partner, we cooked for each other, the, all the meals for the week. And then each person that came on, we cooked more meals and more meals and more meals. And now there's 60 something people. 
We're spending about 16000 a month on food alone. Two companies catering food, dropping in food every Monday and Wednesday. People get to bring food home. So people came in on their off days. They make a couple calls, grab some food, and go. And I knew they were just coming in to grab food. I didn't mind, you know. Um, something big was that every single person I, that came in, number one is I didn't really talk to them for too much for the first two weeks because I'm very, very, very busy. Like I'm constantly, I'm jogging in the office. I don't even walk. I power walk or I jog. You'll never catch me walking slow. If I'm walking slow, it's probably because I'm really hurt or I'm just so exhausted. That doesn't happen very often. So when people need something, we're, they have to keep up with me. If not, if you're too slow, we can't talk. That's how busy I was. So then when we are having people come in left and right, because we're hiring so much, I made it a point to where I wouldn't really spend a lot of time with somebody for the first two weeks. I wouldn't really get their names because you're talking people are coming in and out. You don't even know what name is what name, you know? So, but then after two weeks, I realized they're still here. Now I go through my thing, which is I come and I talk to them and I find out more about them. I find out about their lives. I find out what their goals are. I find out why they joined our company and what do they really want to do. Half the time, they don't care about what it is we're doing. They have their own dreams. And I'm like, great. And I go, okay, what are you doing to get to your own dreams? And they go, well, I don't know. I need this, 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 this. And I tell them, well, here's what you need to do. And I tell them, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And then once you get to this part here, get the heck out of here, you know? And just let us know before you leave. So this way we can bring in somebody and you can bring them up to speed and then you get the heck out of here and go do your thing. And then because you don't need to be here if this is not what you want long-term. Yeah. Yeah. But right now you need that now cash and we will give you that now cash for what you're doing. But I don't want you to be here longer than you need to because you need to go after what you need to go after. So everybody was like that. And then I would help people and, and be accountable. I'd be like, hey, you know, how's that going with that thing? Are you, did you start yet? No, I didn't. Why? I, and they're like, oh, you know, go, come on, let's go, you know, go do it. Like my assistant was like that. He wanted to be a pilot. So I tell him, you need, you need, what do you need to do to be a pilot? He goes, I need to go ahead and, uh, and take pilot school lessons, but it costs money. I go, how much? And I think he told me it was like 2,500. Mm. And I go, okay. And then a week later, I go, here's the pilot school lesson. Go get that license. And he's like so happy. He's like crying. I'm like, just good. Okay, now go, go get it. So I'm just encouraging people because that's what we taught. Mm. We, I taught people on social media, on the videos, like go after what you want. Don't be afraid and just go after it with everything you got. Don't be afraid to fail. All of that was learned from evolved version of what I learned when I was 22, mm. when I bought that first house and it was law of attraction. That's what allowed me to build, to build the company. And I always, that was, that was part of the culture. Mm, yeah. I see. And then, you know, you were the face of the company you know, with YouTube fame and so on, or, you know, I'm sure with the growth of your YouTube channel itself, there always are people who, are, you know, could be the haters or it could be, you know, the people who, you know, might say that, uh, uh, you know, six pack shortcuts is like a scam, you know, oh, yeah. like how did that, you know, impact you? Like, how did you deal with things? So. I realized that if I don't give it my attention, it's not going to affect me. So I knew it was there and I knew exactly why people thought that way too. So I couldn't even blame them because the marketing side, they do marketing. So that means 
they are trying to get people to click, they're trying to make it flashy, they're doing, they're saying all these different things to try to go and generate sales. I'm not doing marketing. I'm running, I'm running the organic side of the videos, I'm running the, the phone sales team on that side, but that's on the back end. Nobody, nobody's seeing that, nobody sees in the front end. So therefore, there's part of me that's being shown in a certain light, because I'm, I'm doing all these commercials and, and all this stuff, and then there's this other part of me that's organic content that's, um, that's just me. So there's kind of like two sides of me coming out, but people can't really tell because it's just both me. So with that, for the people that saw a lot of the marketing, they may go, oh, okay, you know, there was, there was so much business. Mike's about just about making money. He's a businessman, and I am. And then the other part is people see all the content and all the workouts and all the videos about transformation, mindset, creating what you want, and they go, Mike changed my life. And so I would get both of these, right? And then when you look on the videos back then, you'll see that these are two groups of people and they would fight online all the time. It's just this war going on with comments all the time. And so I didn't even read it. I didn't even care. I knew it was there. I go, okay, I don't care. And I just focused on what I needed to focus on. All right. So the marketing side was more like a click, click baitish, mm -hmm. you know, thing. But then again, yeah, because I see, I saw a lot of comments, and I think you know, I would definitely be on the side where you got us to just exercise, you know, and then just purely enjoyed the exercise itself. For the people like, that yeah. use yeah. the videos, they're like, yeah. this, this really works. Yeah. I'm really motivated because mm. <laughs> I didn't just tell someone what to do. I did it with them. Right. Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, but the people that didn't and just saw the remarket, the retargeting ads, they're like, oh, he's just following me everywhere. And, and, uh, you know, we talk about this angle and this angle and, and it's just, it's just sales. It's not true. And the thing is like, if I could run both departments, I would. But back then, it's like, you know, I, I can't. It's, too, it's beyond my capacity, you know. So, so I don't even, I can't even blame them. And, but that's, that's how it was. You know? When you were running the company itself uh, with your partner, like, what would you say was the biggest uh, hardship or, you know, hurdle that, that you had to go through, um, you know, that particular period? On the, on the business side, it was integrity. When you're in business, you know that if we do this, this, and this, it would increase revenue. It would move us forward. It would generate more, more resources. But does it give people value? Does it really help them? Or is it perceived value? Very big difference. Customers can think it's valuable, perceive value. Real value is, are they really going to see the change? And I can see, I can see through all of it. And there are times where I'm like, this is not gonna, it's, it's not valuable. They go, that's what they want. I go, but they don't know what they want. Like, they don't know what they want because that's why they're not in shape. If they go, I want this and this, and I go, yes, I know that's what you want, but that's not going to get you what you actually, that's not what you need, it's what you want. You know, it's like a person that goes, I wanna be successful. Okay, great, so tell me what you want. I want to have uh, the car and I wanna have this big house for what? So this way I can look successful but you're not gonna be successful, you're just gonna have stuff. No, but I wanna look successful this way, people can think I'm successful and then I'll be successful. And you're like, bro, that doesn't work like that. Here's what you need to do. But they'll tell you that's what they want. You know? And when it comes to workouts and stuff like that, it was the same thing. People would want something, but it wasn't what they needed to get to the results. Mm -hmm. But then as, when you're in marketing, you look at it and you go, what do they want? And I'll give it to them and I'll charge them a price for it. 
But for me, I'm going, yeah, but they're not going to get more results. So there was always that game when it comes to the business side. And, you know, and I'm, and we're always button heads with, uh, with people in marketing from the, the sales copy to the way they write it. I'm like, no, this is BS. I can't, can't say that. They're like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, they told me to write that way. I was like, well, yeah, but I'm not going to read that. We need to change it. So I'm here revising sales copies all the time and revising commercials and hooks and VSLs and, and constantly changing it up so this way we're actually giving information. It's not just random bullshit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was, uh, that was definitely a thing, you know, for business. And it created, it created a lot of stress, not just because that was happening. Back then, I would have said that. That's, it's because of that. You know, now fast forward, I realized the real reason. The real reason was I needed to be seen a certain way. I go, I'm not um, properly being um, represented. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm not like what they say that I am. Like, I'm not like that. Everybody who knows me knows I'm not that, but yet that's what they believe because I'm portrayed that way. Mm -hmm. And this, and that conflict, the need to be, to, to look a certain way really got to me and I would be upset and angry and all this stuff. But deeper inside, it was because I wasn't okay with the way I was. I always needed to be better because remember I was mentioning when I was growing up, there was this sense of lack, this sense of lack of worth. So I always worked on trying to improve, trying to prove to myself that I'm more valuable, you know, that I have that I have, um, I have so much things that I'm more than what, than what they think I am, even though nobody's really thinking anything, but it was just in my head. Yeah. So that was really the biggest thing that caused the problems in business, and it also caused problems in my relationship as well. I think you had to let go of, or quality, quality well, control. Yeah, quality control part yeah, that, was quite interesting. When so I we heard. scaled up really fast. Um, there was a time where we're, we were scaling really fast on the sales team, you know, and we scaled from, from like, I think like 15 people to 40 people, you know, in like two months or, or less. So then we were at 40 people, the numbers are going through the roof. And then we start finding out that the salespeople are, they're saying things that weren't true. And I started finding out um, they're not saying everything to the customer that needs to be said. You know, they're not verifying information. Customers get confused on stuff. So I realized there was, there's not proper training. There's not proper systems to check on how people, what people are doing, how they're doing it. Existing people that was affecting the new people because new people just copy the old people. Mm -hmm. So there's all this stuff. So I told my, told my sales manager, all right, get rid of them all. They're like, how many? I was like, all of them. This, this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, like all of them gone. They go, you sure? I mean, that's like over half the team. Yep. And they go, what are we going to do? Rebuild it again. So it's like, okay. So we cleared them all out. And then we had just the core people, the people that were solid, the people that we can trust. And then we rebuilt it again. You know, so I remember that, that happening. Once they saw that I didn't hesitate to let go of people on the spot, like out of there, you know, they're like, oh, okay. All right. He means he's serious. And they were making so much money that they couldn't find a job like this anywhere else. Like people would come in, they're, at, they're used to making like 25, three grand, 3,500, and they come in, they're making eight grand, 12 grand a month. I mean, you grew so fast on YouTube. 
Um, what was there like a hack or something like back in the time? No, I don't. There was there was there was no real hack. I mean, we we figured out just some really basic things that everybody figured out now. Um, number one is if you're gonna be in YouTube for fitness, you need to you need to show that you are fit. Everybody knows that now. Back then, they didn't. That's why they all wore shorts. Shirts. Now, shirtless is like the norm. Nobody goes, oh, look at this person trying to show off because they have a great body. No, they go, this is the standard. If you're in fitness, you're, a lot of times you're going to be shirtless talking about something. So there's always this visual going, I believe what you're saying because you're fit. Mm, I see. Right. And of course, this mentality is in, is portrayed in other areas of business, like a person that's showing their big house and cars and fancy stuff, and they're going, I hope you make money. You know, so that was something we did, and that's why I was shirtless all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a thing, like, you know, Mike doesn't own a shirt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. um, and really, it was doing the work without hesitation, mm -hmm. doing the work without fear. That was really what caused the success because we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't, we didn't know because every step was new. We never did it before. And a lot of times people didn't do it before. So we didn't have people to copy. I remember there was a, I remember the day when we found out that somebody that we were copying was actually copying from us. And and I remember going, why the heck are we copying them? It's like, oh, I don't know, we used to always copy them, but we found out they've actually been copying us for a while. Because see, they copied <laughs> us here, here, and here. We're like, so this is nuts. Because we got so big that every, all the eyeballs were on us. What are, they, what, what are these guys doing? And we had one mentality that my partner and I were completely aligned on. We weren't aligned on everything. A lot of the stuff we were on totally separate sides. But there was one alignment that him and I both right from the beginning, had the same mentality. And that was the key to our partnership. That was really the key. And that was, we were willing to do the work. And just that thing, willing to do the work. And when we talked to people and we found out that if they were willing to do the work, we bring them on. If they weren't willing to do the work and they're just kind of hands off, I want things to happen, but I'm too lazy to do it, they're not right. So we started bringing on people that are just like us, that are willing to do the work. So imagine you got a whole bunch of people that were working really, really hard, getting things done. We had short timelines to knock out a lot of things, and people were knocking them out because they worked hard, because they saw how hard we were working. Mm -hmm. And so we live by the mentality a lot of times, like we're either the first ones in or we're always the last ones out. And I'm always the last one. I'm always closing up the office all the time, closing it up, closing it up, you know? And I was a big advocate, you know, we talked about culture. I was a big advocate of lead by example. Lead by example, lead from the front, don't lead from the back. So when people see me jogging through the office, constantly working, like I'm nonstop going, they know, okay, Mike's working that hard. I'm not going to slack because he's, he's the owner and he's working harder than me. Not just in certain things. Because, you know, sometimes when people are the owner or they're a high level, they feel like they're better than people. I'd be in the restrooms cleaning the restrooms. I'd be wiping up the counters and I'll be, you see me digging in the trash because I got a recycling bin and a trash bin. And when I go ahead and look in and I see all this plastic in the recycling bin, you see me digging in there, wiping it up, and putting the trash, 
doing that all the time. You see me in the counters cleaning it and picking up stuff off the ground and putting stuff up. Or I'm in the restroom or I'm like, sometimes I see the toilet, it's just crazy, you know? And I'm sitting there scrubbing the toilet and then I wash it and then I flush it and then I'm done. And so I'm doing all these things constantly. It doesn't take me time to do it, but I just do it really quick and then I'm off doing something else. I'm always going, always doing. And people followed that. People saw me doing it and they go, oh, right, well, if Mike can pick up trash off the ground, and he's, the, and he's the owner, he's the one paying everybody. Of course, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up too. So a lot of things started happening because of that. And when I left, slowly every one of those things started to fall apart because nobody else is doing it, so why would I do it? Mm. You know, Especially when I'm not getting paid to do it. You see, so then it became very transactional. People started doing what they're being paid to do and nothing more. And you don't want people like that because they would only do the bare minimum. You want people that are, that are about the cause but the only way that they can be about the cause is if there is somebody else that's leading, that's really, really being the anchor, being the anchor, because it affects every single thing that happens in the company. When that person, like Steve Jobs, when, when he was with Apple, everything was different. Now, like I just got a new iPhone, I found out thing doesn't come with a, a charger. What? What do you mean it doesn't come with a plug, you plug into the wall. Oh yeah, that's separate. That's silly. You know, it's like little things like that. Yes, I'll go find, I'll go buy a charger, but it's obvious that why they would do it like that. You know, if you're going to buy the phone, of course you're going to buy a charger. There's like things like that. And these little details matter because customers aren't stupid. They can see what's happening, you know? So leading by example and, and it will trickle all the way down. It affects every moving part of the business from what products are created, how they're created, the quality of it, everything else. So, so you talked about you know when you when you left, things changed. Um, so let's let's get into the you know the biggest question, like why why did you leave? I, I knew where I was going to go. I had no doubts. I was going I was going into into television that was the next step because I'm already connected to all the people. I started showing up. It's like now I'm talking to agents. I had an agent that was getting me like I was getting asked to go to all the shows. Like I was going to be like trainer, biggest loser, survivor, like survivor wanted me there and right. all this stuff. As you were mentioning, like you had you had enough money, um, you know, you had, uh, you know, you have great body. You have like, uh, you know, probably all the things which people would call success. How did you feel at that point? At that point, I felt like just getting started. There's so much more. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, we're only doing 13 million. Like, yeah, we're gonna get to 200 million. You know, and after that, and then we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna help more people, and then we're gonna have much more. And we're not gonna travel by public transportation anymore. We're gonna have our own our own public flying. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have all that. Oh, that's 400,000 for that. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, we'll get that. Mm. There wasn't. We just. There was no sense of. There's no sense of satisfaction. I didn't care about what we had. I wasn't even focused on what we were, what we accomplished. All I was looking was for the next thing. That's the only thing where my focus was. And what happened? So I went to this event and, and this event changed everything. So before I went to this event, just to give a little back end story, I was 
I had an injury in my back and I couldn't heal it. And I couldn't heal anything in my body because I've been injured too many times to count in all places because I've been doing a lot of heavy lifting and doing a lot of you know, physical, silly stuff and I'd always injure myself. So to recover from injuries is like normal. You know, it's no big deal. But somehow I couldn't, couldn't recover this and I didn't know why. You know, and I tried to, because it was from this silly thing, like I was trying to pick up this large tree trunk and carry it home, you know, into my car, which is 50 yards away. You know, I would do like silly things like that. And instead of like finding a smart way to do it, I just bear hug it, deadlift it up and just kind of walking with it, you know, sure, sure. you know. So I blew out my back. That would have been a month, month and a half. It would have been fixed. Well, that injury didn't didn't heal and it got worse, worse and worse. I mean, I couldn't stand, I couldn't sit without pain. I couldn't lay down without pain. It was just constant jabbing, like a sharp, sharp, sharp pain. And I couldn't film workout videos really well because I couldn't hold a 20 pound dumbbell. My core wasn't strong enough, I'd be in pain. And I remember this was happening and I didn't know what to do, but I had to keep making videos. So I did the best I could with dealing with all the pain. Also, I started to be ineffective in my ability to manage my, uh, my managers and run my departments because I couldn't understand what, was, what they were talking about. I couldn't connect the dots anymore. It was like I couldn't understand sophisticated conversations because my mind couldn't keep up. And I didn't know why. You know, when someone's telling you, they go, this is happening, this is happening, you kind of kind of connect the dots. I couldn't connect the dots anymore. Mm. And I had no idea why it happened, when it didn't even start, I just remember the moment when I realized that it was happening and, not, and, not, and being very confused. Like, how, when did this start happening? But yet it happened because I couldn't respond intelligently to what they were asking me. And if I tried to say anything, they would have told that I had no idea what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. So the way we ran our team meetings is they would tell me the problem. They'll tell me proposed solutions, three solutions. And they, they tell me which solution that they think is the best. Mm -hmm. And all I have to do is say yes or no. Because I have the vision of the company and you know, the information that I know on this, on my, what I do. They have the information in their departments. We have different information. Let's come together and make sure the information is aligned so we can move forward together. So that was my job. But when they would tell me what was happening, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. And I remember going like, what's happening to my mind? What, what do you mean you didn't understand? Because like you would understand the vocabulary and everything, right? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody which, <laughs> right, that's what you do. Yeah. But you could hear the words, mm -hmm. but you couldn't, uh, they didn't make any sense to you. You could hear them. You can hear the words, but it's literally coming in one ear, out the other. Mm -hmm. So if I was to say like, okay, this was going on, this happened, this happened, and you know, what do you think about that? And you would need to go and take the information you just heard, come up with your insight, your perspective right. about the information, mm -hmm. right? But let's say you heard the information, but you now couldn't gather it together and put it into, into a vision, into an idea to even give a perspective. Because mm -hmm. literally it came in, you heard it, and it was gone. Sure. And you didn't retain it. Mm. Right. That. Mm. But of course, I was very afraid to go ahead and just openly go, hey guys, I can't understand anymore, but don't worry. I don't know what's going on, but everything will be fine. No, no, no. Mm -hmm. that, would, that would be nuts. There'd be an uproar. Sure. So that was very interesting. 
but this was happening in every one of my departments. And so I knew something was up. Something's up with my head, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. I know how to create. I've created all of this stuff. We got goals, all this stuff. I know about law of attraction, putting thoughts in your mind, manifesting. But how come I can't understand? I don't know. But yet here it's, it's happening. And the, another thing was also I was fighting with my girlfriend a lot at home. And I started to realize it's not her, it's me, <laughs> you know? And I remember the, the most obvious one was we were sitting in the car in front of Subway, which was this place where you get a you know, sandwich. Yep. And we're sitting in the car and about to go. And she made a comment that this boy had a bag of Cheetos. And I remember within 30 seconds, we're arguing from the comment. Oh, look, the boy has a bag of Cheetos. And I remember 30 seconds later, blah, 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 blah. And then I stopped. And I realized, wait, what just happened? I just remember her saying there's a bag of Cheetos and suddenly here I am upset. And I go, whoa, that wasn't her. That was me. What, what did I just do? How did I turn that comment into this fight, into this argument? So I knew, okay, something is up there and maybe this thing has to do with something else, with what's happening, but I don't know. I can't connect the dots. So now... Going back, I go to this event, and, and it's a four-day event, and it's a mastermind event to where a lot of entrepreneurs go there, and uh, different conscious game changers, um, people making documentaries and movies, people in different, different markets all around. You know, some people are doing really well, some people are just getting started, but everybody had this mentality, this general mentality. You know? The way the guy said it is, look, I don't, there's, there's no assholes here. Trust me, everybody's really cool. No assholes. <laughs> Good, okay. And he was right, there was no assholes. Everybody was really cool, you know? Uh, and so I went to this event and we showed up to go and, and everybody contributed different things and we contributed talking about YouTube marketing and content making. So I, I did my talk on how to make content. And, um, and then the last day of the event, I was, I was sharing with people about how I grew up. I was sharing with people because people asked, you know, tell me about how you grew up. Tell me about how you started exercising and how did you build, you know, this, uh, this fitness empire. And I'm like, great. Okay, sure. You know, I was like, yeah, I've shared this story a lot. So I started to share it. But now, you remember when I shared the story earlier? That story, I've shared it thousands of times. Mm. But that night, I shared a new story without trying. It wasn't on purpose. It just just came out that way. That's how I saw it. And that story is, well, I grew up in Houston and, you know, I was really inspired by Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, and inspired by all of these uh, action workout people. They're so fit and they're so strong and I wanted to be like them. And I had a neighbor across the street, you know, there are three brothers mm -hmm. and one of them was really, really fit. And he was a little bit older than me. One was younger than, than me. And so we all kind of worked out together. We didn't have any weight, so we're lifting bricks, you know, and all this stuff. And so we trained together, and I was always interested in muscle magazines. I had a lot of all the muscle magazines. I read them like crazy. And I was just so into fitness. And me and my mom would watch Arnold Schwarzenegger videos, movies together. So I wanted to go and transform my body and look like these guys. And I trained a lot. And 
and I was always physically active. I loved being physically active. You know, I wanted to train my mind to be really, to be really strong because I saw these guys were really strong. I was really inspired, and I did. You know, I would. I remember I would ride my bike, and you know, your legs would burn when you're riding your bike after a certain. You keep pedaling, and I remember in my mind I would go and silence my mind, stand straight, and look straight as I'm pedaling, and I go into this tunnel vision to where I'm disconnecting from pain. My legs are on fire at this moment and I'm still pedaling and the legs are just extreme pain. And I'm like, you know, like 13, you know, 12, and I'm still going and I'm consciously doing this. I'm going, I'm going to just go into tunnel vision and I'm gonna keep going because I'm gonna get past this pain. I can do this. And I remember mentally visualizing myself as a train, you know, where it's like and that was the motion of my with my legs. And so I was so inspired to train in that, in that way and have that type of discipline and, and focus. And then moving forward, you know, that just it stayed with me. I got my first gym membership when I was 16 and, uh, and I worked out at home. I started working out at gyms. I was just working out all the time and I, and I loved it, you know, and I surrounded my, my surrounding was always something to do with, uh, do with being active. I always look for things to challenge myself. So, that was my uh, grow-up story, and it was absolutely true. All of that did happen. That, it did happen exactly like that. And when somebody goes, okay, well, what happened next? And you know, today I shared with you. Mm-hmm. So what happened next? I said, okay, well, then I started to work here, and I was working here, and people go, okay, but what drives you? And I go, well, what drives me was, and then the moment I was about to tell them that I was in fear and I was trying to prove myself, I caught it, and I go, wait. I, that was what drives me, but I just said a story that did not have any of that in it. I totally left it out. I had this realization that I just said a story that did not have any of the fear, the pain, the needing to prove, the lack of self-worthiness. I didn't include that in my story. Not because I wasn't trying to include it, it didn't even register. And I just realized that what I was motivated for, what motivated me was this lack. That's what motivated me, the lack of worthiness, needing to prove. And so I said, okay. And then I told him that I used to have this, but right now I don't seem to, that seemed to not, you know, that isn't my drive right now, but yes, that was my drive then. And then I looked at the next job and that was also the drive to need to prove again. And then I looked at my next one and that was also and I looked at currently at the time while I'm running that company, the Six Pack Shortcuts company, and it was still the drive, needing to prove and needing to go and, and feel worthy and show those people that look down on me. And I remember sitting there going, whoa, my whole life has been driven by this need to prove and this lack of worth, but, I, but what would happen if I saw my life like the way I just explained it? at that moment, growing up, because that was how it all started. What would happen if I saw my life in that way? Every single job, every single event that happened afterwards would have been different because I didn't have the same, I would not have the same drive. I didn't need to prove anything then. And so this idea of my entire life would have been different if I just changed the story. So then I had this realization that maybe I'm not the story that I'm telling people. I'm not the story. This is what 
this is what happened, but in reality, what happened is just a story. It's not real. I could have, I just said another story, and if I believed this story, you're focused on this story, my entire life would have been different. So I had this realization that my entire life is dictated on these stories in my head. So that means these stories in my head isn't me. Because if they were, they wouldn't just change. I don't just change. That'd be silly. I can't just change in one moment. Suddenly I'm a different person. No, I'm still here. So if I'm not these stories in my head, what am I? Right? What am I if I'm not this story? If you go, who are you? Then you go, well, I am this, 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 this. Well, that's a story, isn't it? So then I thought, well, what am I if I'm not these stories? And I heard a whisper in my head that goes, you're the soul. You're a soul. And I go, oh, wow, right. That makes sense. Now I hear, now, that, now I have a connection to why everybody talks about soul, soul, soul. And yes, I know what it is, kind of, but... It didn't really make sense. I didn't really care. And I go, wow, so I'm not the stories in my head. I'm just, I'm the soul. Okay. Okay, I'm the soul. I'm just observing the stories. Okay, but I'm not those stories. Well, how many other stories do I have? Because maybe my whole life has been living by the stories and these stories aren't even real. I made it up. So that means if I made it up, that means this character, Mike Chain, I made that up. So if I made up all of this stuff, then that means I have control over my life. Because if I made up the stories, I can change them. So then I spent the next six hours identifying every story in my head, in my life. And the way I can, only way I can identify is to say them out loud, because there's too, there's too much. We're talking 32 years of stories. So I started saying them out loud. Okay, I have this, and I thought about this, and I started connecting dots, connecting dots on everything, going through events, going through all this stuff. Well, the, the people stopped listening because, you know, it's probably boring them. They didn't care after that, that long. So they left that about 45 minutes in, and I was just walking around, talking out loud, trying to connect these stories. And as I was doing this, I also felt sensations on the top of my head. So I started knocking on the top of my head. I was do, doing this, knocking on it. It just felt good. Like if you... If you have knee pain, automatically, nobody needs to teach you, you'd put your hands on your knee. Mm -hmm. Ow, mm -hmm. right? Yep. It's a natural reflex. My natural reflex was to knock on the top of my head. Mm. I didn't know why, but that was a natural thing. And it was also to breathe deeply because that was another natural reflex. And I didn't know anything about breath work. Mm. I was actually terrible with breathing when I worked out. That was a big problem of mine, mm. running out of breath. Mm. And... I kept doing that, and there were times where I felt like I needed a stretch. And so I would stretch, and then I would breathe, and I'd knock on my head, and I'll talk out loud, and I'd pace around. And I did that for six hours, connecting all the dots. And as I started, and about two and a half hours in, to three hours in, I started noticing some changes was happening. It wasn't just that I was understanding things, that was happening. My body started feeling lighter. I noticed it because I know how my body feels. And I was like, this, I'm, I'm feeling lighter. This is weird. And I started to notice the pain in my back started to decrease. It wasn't gone, but it started to decrease. I was like, whoa, the pain's not there. And I also noticed that my head was more clear. And I was like, okay, something is happening. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to keep going. So I kept on going. So fast forward three more hours. So at the end of six hours, I'm walking around. I'm practically levitating off the ground. 
like any more lighter, I would have been floating because I couldn't keep my chest down. My chest was constantly floating up and my arms were floating up. And I'm walking around just looking at my arms like I'm looking at them for the first time because I'm like, well, how come this, this is happening to my arms? How come this is happening to my body? This is not my body. I know what my body feels like. This is not my body. What just happened? And my, I had a complete understanding of my entire life and everything that happened. And I remember having no worries, no fear. It all went away no stress. I was not afraid of anything. And the feeling was so good, so free, that the vision in my head of how I was just six hours before was the worst type of being trapped that I can imagine. And that was the vision that came up was, I'm in a dark hole, you know, like, a, like you dig a, a 10 feet hole into the ground, small hole, not very big, in the ground. I'm chained up. I have a, uh, um, a, like something over my mouth covering me and there's something that's covering the sun. Mm -hmm. And I'm just in this hole like, like that and I can't get out. That was my state of being just six hours before. That was the only best way I can describe it because the way I felt right then was at such a high freedom that in reference, the only thing I can explain is that's how I was, this is how I am now. So this way I can give a reference to how free it was because I didn't know how else to explain it. And I realized I never want to go back there, ever. How did you get into that state though? Like, can you just normally get in, like, you know, all of a sudden, like seeing your, your whole life just kind of go through like that? Well, so now I just stay, I just, I stay in that state now, but and well, yes, you can, but it may not be that extreme, but everybody can get to that state because what actually happened there was we have energy, we have energy inside our body. That's what makes us tick. Without it, we're gone. So this energy we can say is emotions as well. This emotions that we have, we have experienced all our life, it has accumulated inside of our body because we never were taught on how to release it. Just like if somebody didn't know how to sweep and they only know to sweep things under the rug, they would just do that all the time. And at some point the rug is filled with a lot of stuff. And that's how our bodies are. And that day I cleared the emotions from the body. And when I cleared it from the body, the first effect, well, not the first effect, they're all simultaneously happening at the same time. The body becomes light, so you are literally less dense. Your body is less dense, which means you feel light. And if it got any less dense, you levitate. That's how people levitate. Their energy, their energy in their body is so at such a high frequency because all the blockages are out. Their body is so light in density that they float. The second thing is that every time when we have emotions in our body, there is a a lenses, a, it affects the mind. There's a perspective that the mind, our mind looks through in the way ourselves and situations and all these things. Mm -hmm. And when we let go of that emotion from the body, that lens drops and we can see a little bit clearer. So if we let go of all the emotions in our body that's been accumulated, then all of the lenses drop. And what we see is everything, everything that, everything that's happening right now and when we see things, we don't see just selected things. 
if we were to look into our life, we will see the real scenario of what actually happened versus our mental story of it. So that day, all the, all the, everything got cleared. So that's why, so what I experienced was that. And the healing was because once the energy opened up, the body instantly healed because we can change matter really, really quickly. Because if we change the energy, matter changes automatically. And how did that lead to stopping, you know, six-pack shortcuts? Like, how did, how did that happen? Once I realized that, once I experienced that, I knew instantly that this is what I've been looking for my whole life. I just wanted to be happy. And I thought happy was the type of success that I had. Money, fame, and, and all the material stuff. And I was helping people. So it wasn't like it was just about the money. I had high integrity to help people, and I was changing millions of people's lives. The videos are getting lots of views and people are using it and testimonials after. So, but that was not happiness. And I knew it because I was doing it and I did not feel the way I felt. And at that moment when I felt it, I didn't, nothing in my business changed. Nothing in my life outside changed. I'm in this random event here so nothing in my real life changed, and yet I'm experiencing this. So that means all, that means this is actually coming from inside. It had nothing to do with the outside. And if it has nothing to do with the outside, why would I care to keep up all the stuff on the outside? For what? The outside could not have brought me what I was experiencing because 32 years it hasn't. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to be optimistic and go, well, you know, just a little longer. No, no. If it didn't happen in 32 years, what's the chances of this happening from what I've been doing? I think none. I'm not going to take that chance. I wanted to hold on to what I was experiencing, this level of happiness and freedom. And I was willing to give up everything to hold on to it because nothing was worth what I was experiencing. Nothing was. And they can take everything. I, I didn't care. I'll trade it all. Take everything. I don't need to have anything. Just please give me a couch so I can sleep on it, so I have a roof, and that's it. And if I can hold on to the way I feel, I'm the luckiest man alive. You have no idea, because that's how good I felt. So just even imagine that. Like, how good does somebody have to feel to go take all my millions and take everything that I've ever built, everything, girlfriend too, you can take her too, it doesn't matter. Just take everything, I don't need anything. And and I'm fine, I'm, I'm the luckiest, I'm the happiest. Just imagine, like people won't even know like what that state even feel like. I didn't, and even now when I tell somebody, they don't, they don't know, because you don't know until you actually experience it. Yeah. And when you experience it, then you know. So you felt this you know, extreme happiness state, and then um, the next thing you know, you're probably going to your co-founders and, and just, sharing your exactly. story. So yeah. what did you tell them? Oh, I told them I'm experiencing this and this is awesome. I have no idea what it is, but we are going to teach everybody because everybody wants this. This is, this is going to be a game changer. This is the next level. Like we are helping them with their body and now we're going to help them change their mind and, and transform their whole life. Like this is what we've been wanting to do, transform their life. But this transformation is beyond anything that we've ever taught like way beyond it. Like, I'm gonna find out what this is. And we got the audience, this is gonna be, this is gonna be the next level. And uh, they didn't agree. 
they said that we need to stay in fitness and this isn't, um, we can't go that direction. So do you think they didn't go that direction because, you know, some people would say that's too spiritual or like... That could be. Mm. And number two, it's not like I was properly explaining it in a, in a, in a good way because it just happened. I have no clue what the heck I'm talking about, you know? And, you know, they're right. Like, we've got, we've got a business to operate and it has to operate to maintain because we've got a huge overhead. So I understood... Now, if I could properly explain it and it makes sense to them and, you know, then that would work, you know, but I'm just in a slur of the moment and, um, and all I knew is I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do this because nothing is going to get me to go back to the, to the other state. And what, what happened after that? Well, they, uh, they said that we can't do it. And I said, okay, well, fine, then I'll do it. And then, um, and, and I'm out. Did it go like that easily, like I'm out or? Uh, well, a year later, we signed the papers. So it took almost about a year for the transition and... Because uh, you're the main face of, you know, six-pack six shortcuts, you know? They weren't really accepting of it, but there wasn't really much that they could they could really do. I was still maintaining it, but, you know, not at the same level. I put a lot of my focus in figuring out what happened because I knew that this is my path. I need to know and whatever it takes. So the same mentality, the same drive, the same work ethics, I took all of that and then I applied it to learning what happened. Mm -hmm. So I can maintain it for myself and I can teach everybody else in the world how to do it. Was there any uh, challenges that you had to go and face uh, when you just kind of made that decision and just kind of left the company? I would assume that there would be some type of like, you know, backlash or something even internally itself within the company just because the company direction or, you know, the main head of the company just goes away. Like, how did, how did they take that? People were confused and they uh, created all these different rumors, you know, that basically, yeah, I, um, I just went crazy and I just, I just went ahead and just, and uh, I just went crazy. Mike went crazy. Yeah, we don't know why. We don't really know what happened, but he's kind of nuts now. So uh, we just need to figure out what to do without him. Basically, was kind of like the, the rumor I was being spread. People just, that's just what they thought, which then they told other people, which then became what they thought was the truth. For me, I didn't care less because I was so laser focused on figuring out what happened. I don't care what people said. I didn't really care what people said before that happened. So now with that happening, I cared even less. I was just focused, but that was what was happening in the, in the company and they're trying to figure it out. And I did my best to kind of help the transition. We were already transitioning me out of certain positions because I was running too many departments and I needed to focus on, on higher level roles and planning so we can move forward instead of still focusing on operational stuff. So we were already transitioning me out of a lot of different departments, once this happened, the transition just became faster. The person that I was trained stepped into place sooner than later and still continued to run everything. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time at home. I started working from home. I work in the office sometimes, um, part at home. And um, yeah, eventually uh, and I replaced myself uh, with my friend. And, uh, and he came in, he became the new face. And they already, we already had other people filming videos as well. Mm -hmm but he became kind of like the main face because 
He's really charismatic. He's really good in fitness. He looks fantastic. And, uh, and I told him, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to hand you the keys, man. This is like, you're going to, you're going to take off. Everybody's going to know who you are. And just so you know, like it's going to happen really, really quickly. We're going to be blasting millions of dollars for advertisement behind you. And, and so you're just going to, you're going to be everywhere. He's like, all right, cool. Let's do it. I go, all right, there you go. It's yours. You know, cause I've known him for like 15, 15 plus years. And so if there was somebody that I can trust that knew what they were talking about, looked apart, that had integrity, that is smart, that can, you know, that can do what it is that I do, it was him. So, so, I, uh, so I told him, you're going to be the guy. And so I stepped off stage and put him on the spotlight. And, and he did well. He did fine. He did exactly what I thought he would. How is the company going right now? Do you know? I'm not really sure. I don't, I don't really check up on, on how they're doing, to be honest. You know? Yeah, I think they still have a channel. I don't know if they're even making content. I don't know what they're selling now. I mean, I know something's obviously with fitness. I have, I have no idea. The company eventually got bought out by somebody else. Uh, so it's not your friend who's continuing to do that? No, he was just the face, but he, didn't, he wasn't like an owner or anything. He was just the face and uh, the main face for it. Um, but the other partners, I think they, they, they sold it to somebody else. Um, the company kind of went south after I left mm -hmm. and because they weren't doing, they weren't doing the things I was doing. It wasn't about the face that could be, that can be changed and recovered. But the amount of things that I was doing to maintain culture, to make sure people felt heard that they're not just an, an, uh, an employee, like I value them and I'm there to, to actually help them. I spent a lot of time training people. In order to just kind of go a different direction, especially into that type of you know, spiritual realm itself, um, do you think that you, know, you, you, you could have done that because you were kind of financially set that you'd be okay and you, you knew that too? Or would it be, you know, would anybody be able to, to just kind of continue regardless? Because wouldn't you have to, you know, make money and just uh, just be able to support yourself and etc. too. Well, it depends on what state they get into. If they access the state that I was in, it doesn't matter if you have money or not. There's no fear. Mm -hmm. There's no worry. You'll be fine. Does, doesn't it? Literally, doesn't matter. Whatever, because if we really look at it, that the idea of I need to have all this stuff. No, you just need to have the basics, and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But people's egos and their sense of I need to succeed, doesn't allow them to live freely. So if they got to a state of that level of liberation and freedom, they can, it doesn't matter, they can leave. Now, if they didn't and they just had, because people talk about waking up all the time. It's just a kind of a common word. It's as, it's as common as success, yep. you know, and happiness. Mm. Um, so at a certain level, somebody can leave and it wouldn't matter because they're beyond the fear stuff. Uh, most people that experience awakenings, um, they experience a shift. Their vibration and frequency kind of increases, but they're still not at a point where they can be completely worryless, fearless. Mm -hmm. If they could, they, can, they would be able to handle themselves just fine because whatever they need, they will be able to bring into their life. You don't need to have, have all of this backup money and plan A, B, C, D. Not when you don't carry fear anymore. You can get you can get everything that you need. So after 
you left the company. Did you just kind of go through with happiness throughout the whole journey or were there also low points that you had to go through? When I had this elevated state, that state dropped down eventually. And it didn't go all the way back down to how it was, but it definitely didn't stay that high. And so when it dropped down, that's because there were still a lot of stuff inside. So then as I was, I started to learn about what was really happening, what was really happening to me. All the emotions I needed to let go, all of the beliefs and all the mindset stuff. And I was focusing on letting those go. So there was a lot to deal with. I had so much mental um, beliefs about how things should be and how I should be, how my life should be, how I should look, act and all this stuff and having to go against all of it because I knew that I needed to, but dealing with the fear, dealing with the pain, dealing with the guilt and the shame and the, all this stuff. So I went through a lot of it, tons and tons of it. And I was doing this full time every single day because I, I, at some point I stopped working and because I did have enough savings from eventually selling my share. So I just spent all day long doing it. And I spent all day long learning and experimenting and talking to go ahead and find out deeper on how to be able to really do this. Mm. And all the books on enlightenment and uh, happiness, uh, purpose, liberation, you know, uh, books on elevating consciousness, on the soul, and all and all the stuff. I lost, started looking for different teachers and and uh, and people in different healing arts. You know, I started learning deeper into yoga. You know, and so I looked everywhere to go ahead and try to have a base understanding because I couldn't really grasp it because everybody's kind of talking about something different. Would you say that you have a good grasp right now? And, you know, what type of things would you, you know, teach right now? Um, so I teach, I teach two things to my students because these two things, it took me seven years to realize these two things are the most important. The thing with becoming more happy or becoming more free on the inside, letting go of fear and judgment and all this stuff, is that there are infinite amount of things to pay attention to. And imagine if a person, if a person needs to go ahead and learn how to let go of things that they've been carrying for decades, that in itself is a challenge. And now, on top of that, if they don't know what to actually focus on, what approach to do, then they haven't. They can't even start. It's like show me where the show me where the starting point is at, or show me what direction I need to go. But if I don't know what direction I need to go, and I have a whole mountain to climb, how am I going to even get there? And so, I found out that after being very lost for a while and going everywhere and spending lots of time, I came to the realization that there's only two things to focus on. And if you accomplish these two things, all your problems are gone. All of them, not just one, not just most, all. What are the two things? So I'm going to say what these two things are. And then the next thing for people to do is learn how to connect the dots. They can't connect the dots. They don't fully understand. Connecting dots took a long time, years for me to connect it. I can connect them now. But the two things are, number one, the first most basic thing that I think everybody can agree on, accept who you are at this moment now. That's it. Accept who you are at this moment now. Fully accept, not partial, full. And people, they would go, yes, 
Of course, okay, yeah, right, self-acceptance, you know, because you can't be like somebody else. You gotta be your own stuff. You gotta do what you want, all right? Everybody agrees. All, all those people that are saying that, they don't accept, but they agree. Just like, you know, when you tell somebody, yo, man, it's really about happiness. They go, yeah, okay, it's really about happiness. Let me tell you why. And then you go into their life and you find out they're not very happy. Mm, right. They fight with their partners, they're so stressed. Mm. But, but yeah, it's about happiness and they totally agree. Accept who we are. What does that really mean, right? Some people go, I accept, like I, I, I talk to people every day, you know? And people, understanding of acceptance is just surface layer, mm. just like how mine was. But after the last seven years, I've gotten to a much deeper layer now of acceptance. Acceptance really is, we don't care to be different. We don't care to be better. Like, we don't care to improve. We don't care to, um, we don't care to change. Now, not caring to change, not wanting to change, does not mean we don't change because it's change is inevitable. We cannot stop change. Every moment that's happening right now, we are changing. We are becoming older. So we can't stop it. The earth is changing. We're moving in a different part of the universe. It's all changing. So change is inevitable. But if we want change, then that means we are not okay with the way we are now. That's the way we want to change. Because if you're okay with who you are now, why would you want to change? You're okay with the way you are now. So that means if someone goes, I want to be better, then what they're really saying is, I'm not enough right now. That's why I need to be better. I need to be smarter. Right, so that means you are dumb right now. That's what you're saying. If you say, I want to be smarter, you're saying that I am dumb right now. Mm -hmm. Or someone may play with the words, they go, okay, no, no, I am smart, right, but I want to be smarter. Okay, right. So that still means that you think you're not smart enough now. These are just words, but the consciousness, when somebody is conscious of themselves not being enough in something, that's why they want more. No matter what, the moment that somebody wants to be more within themselves, they automatically are conscious that they are not enough in one way, shape, or form. And what is the second one? The second one, once somebody is able to, to fully accept how they are, now they get to do what they want because they stop stopping themselves. That means they stop judging themselves on what they do. Right? Now they can do anything that they want. And if somebody can do what they want, they will accomplish their goal, no matter how big or how small the goal is, they will accomplish it because they just keep taking action. That's how goals are accomplished, taking action. It's simple, just do it and then it will happen. You may have to do it 10 times or a thousand times, but it will happen because you won't stop. You just keep going. So the second thing now is to allow that to happen. How do we do that? Because just because somebody is watching this doesn't mean that they can do it. They will try and then they'll run into a wall. That wall that they run into is the emotions in their body. Because the emotions in their body is supporting the way that they are seeing themselves right now, the lack of self-acceptance. When they release those emotions, they release that filter of lack. But until they release it, that filter of lack is there. So they can learn about self-acceptance, they can try to act like they fully accept themselves, but they cannot actually do it. They are always trying. Kind of like an actor who's acting like a role, and they may act really, really well, but they are still acting, and they know consciously that they are not that role. 
So for, for what uh, you're doing right now, you're teaching these type of mindsets. And at the same time, you're, it also involves like physical exercise or other things, is it? Absolutely, because a person's gotta be able to, to release the emotions in their body, which means they need to learn how to let go in their body. And what let go in their body actually means, because you know when people talk about, hey, surrender, release, let go, okay, what the heck are you really talking about? What do I specifically do? And I tell my students all the time, I'm gonna teach you very, very, very specific things. Generalization doesn't work if you want specific results, mm. all right? And we're talking a very specific thing. Your body's gotta be able to relax. You gotta literally be able to let go of tension, tightness, tension, tightness, tension, tightness, tension, right? Like let go biting the jaw, clenching the toes, tensioning the stomach. And when you let go of what you can see, there are deeper layers of tension to let go. And then when you let go of those deeper layers, there are more subtle, deeper layers to let go. And so when we let go of all of this, what happens is we don't hold on to the emotions that are in our body. They get to rise to the surface because we stop holding on to them. It's like keeping them down in the water. And the moment we stop keeping them down, they'll naturally float up to the top. And when they flow up to the top, we are feeling them. We are actually experiencing emotions that we just haven't experienced when, we were, when they were happening a long time ago. I think a lot of people are you know, feeling anxious or, uh, you know, is there any, uh, I'm sure, yeah, you know, it, there's much more than technique itself, but is there any type of like, you know, uh, something which people could do that you could recommend? A lot of people do uh, do my morning practice because to be able to let go of the emotions, to be able to fully accept ourselves, you know, we need to do, we need to teach our bodies how to do it. And it's not doing it one time and it's not doing it just 10 times or a hundred. You gotta do it more. If you've been holding on to stuff for 20 years, 40 years, it's not gonna take just a couple months to change. However, if somebody wants to start, the fastest, most simplest way is to do this practice and just follow the moves. And the, the, the video's got a, you know, it's got a million or two million views, I don't know, something like that. Because people are just watching it, they follow along. It's a simple follow along thing. I posted on YouTube and a few other versions of it because if somebody followed this, automatically they start to release in their body. And when they release in their body, their mind starts to feel better. They're more clear, they're more energy, more energetic because everything is so heavy when their emotions are stirred up. And now they're able to start to move forward and be more confident, have more self-trust and belief. And now it's still at the surface by just following the practice and not knowing how to go deeper. But it is more effective than workouts, just doing yoga and all this stuff because we're applying five methods of training, tap massage, strength, yoga, breath work, meditation, all within 60 moves, 60 minutes. And there's no, nothing out there that exists in this way because this combination is what I came up with after now seven years that systematically opens up all the energy in the body and clears the mind. So it's very, very effective. You can just try that as a start. So after you were gone from a lot of you know, social media's YouTube, why did you decide to come, come back out? Because I finally figured out how to do it. I finally figured out how to go and get someone to feel that level of happiness, that level of freedom. I figured out how to do it. 
And I was then confident to go and share. Up until then, about two years, about two years in, after I left, I was starting to make, a video, make videos again because I could speak intelligently about these things. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't fully doing it. I would be in this state sometimes and sometimes I'm not. And so even though I can speak about it and I can make tons of content on it, I wasn't the example. I wasn't doing what it is I was talking about and that wasn't enough for me. So I realized, nope, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be like those people that's gonna just talk about this stuff but not actually be able to do it. You know, I'm not gonna be a fat trainer, right? Yeah. Except this is about, not about training this time. This is about elevating consciousness, about inner freedom, self-acceptance. I'm not fully accepting myself yet and I can see it in my life. Just because I improved, that's not good enough. So I stopped. I see. Yeah, and now I'm back and I'm fully back because I've done it. And the last stage that I, that I had to get to, you know, took about seven years to, to get to this stage. And now I know how to get to it and I know the specifics and all this stuff. So now I, I tell people how to get to it, what they need to do, what the processes are, what to expect, because people aren't teaching this. Mm. Not, not these things. They, everybody talks about the general stuff, and that's fine for people getting started. But for people that are ready to do some serious work, they need to know very, very, very specific things that are happening within their mind and body and actions and feelings and all this stuff. If not, they're gonna be really confused. They do not have the confidence to move forward because they don't know whether or not it's correct because it is very different and it kind of looks like it's the wrong thing. But that's the thing. It looks that way, but it's not. But they don't understand why it's not because nobody's there to guide them. And they're not gonna be able to find these type of information online because not enough people are at that stage. So they cannot speak intelligently about it. Do you think you had to let go of uh, six-pack shortcuts um, in order to fulfill this spi spiritual mission? Like, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to do it both at the same time? So if I am the way I am now, and then I went back in time as the way now, and working with everybody the way they were, I could do it. But at that time, no, I couldn't. Because it's like, um, the analogy is like somebody that's, uh, that's an alcoholic and they can't stop drinking. So you go, can you hang out in the bar with your friends who's getting hammered all the time and, and, and not drink? And now fast forward, they haven't drink for seven years. They go, I can do it now. If I'm back in that same situation, partying like the way I can party like that, except I can just party without some drinking. Yeah, I can do it. But that time, I couldn't. Didn't have the knowledge, information, experience. Would you say that YouTube is kind of different from you know today compared to the time before? Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would say so. What's different, or social media in general? What's different compared to the time you left? Uh, more authenticity. There's more, there's more rawness because people all have the ability, more people have the ability to make content, more people have the ability to sell products, um, sell information, become an entrepreneur. So therefore, the level of credibility has increased because everybody can do this stuff. So if everybody can do it, it's not special. So in order for there to be a, a, a trust in people's um, um, businesses and their websites and all this stuff, 
there has to be um, higher standards. And that's why, as of right now, testimonials, testimonials are the number one thing that people are constantly um, highlighting. Because testimonials are, it's not sales videos and all this stuff. You know, it's real life people sharing their stories. And that has, and that's something that's changed in, in business, especially in online marketing, which is pretty much where business is at anyways. That I've seen has been a big change. And YouTube or, or other social media, testimonials are a big thing. Do you think you can replicate the same success that you had before, if it's right now? Uh, not, replicate the, not replicate the model. The success, I don't know. Um, what I do know is I've taken all of the things that I had before that allowed me to succeed and I've let go of all the things that was holding me back. And that's how I am now. So will I create the same thing? I have no idea. But I do know that I'm going to do whatever it takes to accomplish that promise, which is to go and share this with everybody and teach people how to do it. So what does your future look like for you? What are you going to do from, from now? I imagine that people will be people will know how to be able to take care of their body and mind. And not, just, and not just have a general idea. Specifically, they will know how to do it and they'll be able to do it because they'll understand all the things that they don't need to do anymore. And they'll do something that's very, very simple, just like brushing your teeth and taking a shower. Everybody knows how to do it and they do it every day. Um, they know how to drive, they know how to type. People will know how to do that. And they'll know how to do that because they'll understand all of the things about fitness, working out, all the stuff that they thought this is how it should be, they'll realize, no, that's not how it should be. And because you think that's the way it is, that's why you have failed. That's why you're not consistent. That's why you're out of shape. That's why your energy is low. That's why you're feeling bad. They're going to know how to be able to fix all of that stuff. And they'll know how to do it because that's my goal is to reframe how to train. People's approach on training is not correct. It will allow them to fail. And they, this is why people usually are not in good shape because their approach about it, their mentality is incorrect. If they switch their mentality, that alone would allow them to be very successful. Now we take them one step further and teach them this training. And they don't, and what this training is not just 60 moves in 60 minutes. It's a method. It's a method that they approach in life because the way that they approach one thing is the way that they approach all things. And so therefore, if they can approach training in this way, then they can approach their relationship, their job, their personal relationships, the way they see themselves, treat themselves in exactly the same way. Now their life transforms. And this is a very systematic, structured way on how to do all of it. And once they know how to do all of it, because everything's step by step, you learn this, you learn this, you practice this, it's simple, easy, and effective. And once they do that, they let go of all structure. They break it all. Just like a child that needs to learn with structure. And as they grow older, they let go of the structure and then they start to become, they start to create freely without the boundaries. This system is the same way. Well, thanks Mike for the long chat today. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for uh, allowing me to be here and sharing my story and sharing my experience, you know, and I hope people got, uh, got some things out of it that can be applied to their life to help them become healthier, happier and do what it is that they want to do.